Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to our weekly podcast, Knowledge Empowers. As always with you, is me, Kat. Annyeonghaseyo. Then we have Baruch. Hello, hello, hello. And we have Kolaj. Good morning, everyone. Actually, it's afternoon, right? But, well, good morning. Oh, I just wanted to comment it. That's why we have not puffed eyes and everything. But <laughs> we have a guest today with us. That's why I'm saying good morning, because this guest has a morning. And it's Bill Baker, who is stated in Canada. So there is a morning somewhere in this earth. Bill, right. hello. Hello. It's good to see you all. <laughs> so I found Bill through, of course, our development uh, stuff. And I approached Bill if he would be willing to join our podcast because his topic was about storytelling. And I loved it from the beginning till the very end. And even previous to that, because I was preparing Bill on like technical parts of how to use webinars and blah, blah. But Bill is like very experienced person. So it wasn't like, it was really visible. He knows what he's doing, <laughs> but I was like, I had to finish everything. And so you were that's very thorough. I, I was. Thank you. So yeah. that's how I approached Bill. And now we have this person from Canada with us on our podcast. And with that, I want to start with first question. How did you build, find out or started even with incorporating storytelling? How did that even came up? Well, it's interesting. I mean, first of all, storytelling has always been part of my life growing up like it is part of most everyone's life. But I grew up in a very rich storytelling family. My dad was an amazing storyteller. His mother, my grandmother, both my grandmothers actually, and my grandfathers were incredible storytellers. And I always loved storytelling as a child. I loved books and I loved movies and plays. And so it's always been part of my life, but it became part of my working life when I personally started using stories in my workplace communications with clients, with colleagues, with other partners. And I kind of got pulled into storytelling as being a trainer in terms of using storytelling and workplace communications and teaching other people how to do that. I was actually delivering a, a, a speech at a conference in Chicago many, many years ago. And someone from GE, from General Electric, was in the audience and heard that speech. And she was part of the Global Learning Development Program for GE. And she had someone from her team call me up a couple months later and said, my boss saw you speak at this conference. And she said, you did a really nice job. And I said, oh, well, that's good to hear. <laughs> and she said that you told several stories in your speech And she said they were really good stories. They were like always very compelling and engaging, but they always had a good message or a point. And I said, oh, that's also good to hear. And then she said, have you ever taught anyone how to do that? And I said, well, no. And she said, do you think you could teach people how to do that? And I said, sure, why not? And so I kind of was asked to develop a storytelling training program that I uh, incorporated and implemented at GE and then that's grown from there. So it's now part of the global learning development program from lots of different companies all over the world. So uh, I was I was really fortunate to kind of be tapped on the shoulder to use this craft that I grew up with and somehow figure out a way to make money at it and teaching other people to do the same. Can you give us an example of a storytelling? Or like an, ex an example of what do you mean? Yeah, could you maybe retell the story with the when you were in the camp with the boys 
to go oh, swimming. This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like example uh, of a, like how does a storytelling looks like? Like yeah. So for as example, Barrage and, and Kulash, the, there is a story that I told that Katerina heard about when I first really discovered the power of storytelling as a young adult or as a young leader. And I talk about uh, one of my jobs that I had when I was in high school was I was a camp counselor at a summer camp. And so I had a group full of boys that I was responsible for, but I was also the head swimming instructor for the entire camp. And so I taught swimming. And when I talk about teaching swimming, I'm not talking about just getting in the lake and splashing some water around swimming. I taught competitive swimming. Like I taught them how to do butterfly and flip turns and relay races. And this was intense, but at the summer camp that I worked at, they didn't have a swimming pool, but they had a beautiful lake set up just like a pool. And we would practice in that lake, usually about three mornings a week. And on a hot summer day, I didn't really have a hard time getting those boys to swim. But when the temperature ever dipped below 20 degrees centigrade or 75 degrees Fahrenheit, honestly, you thought there was a sheet of ice on that lake listening to those boys complain and moan about getting into it. But I would get them at that lake one way or another. I tried humoring them and bribing them and yelling at them. And then, bribing them. <laughs> right, with cookies and extra juice and things. But, uh, and as Katerina knows, if all else failed, I would pick them up and I would throw them in the lake because you could do that sort of thing back then. It was the 80s. It was a different time. Today, you'd probably get in trouble. But it was really exhausting to me. And so on one particularly chilly day, I was getting ready for this usual battle of wills with these boys. And I was walking down to the lake and they were getting ready for this usual battle with me. And I just thought, there has to be a better way to do this. And so I sat down on the grass with them on our towels and I just started talking to them about what swimming meant to me. And I told them the story about my father, who was a big time swimmer in university, how he taught all of us how to swim by throwing us in the lake, but helping us figure it out on our own. I told them another story about my family being at the beach on vacation and my brother and I were swimming in the ocean, but we got caught in a riptide, which uh, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a current that pulls you very far out into the ocean very quickly. And it was scary. But because my dad taught us what to do, we didn't panic and we swam along shore and able to get back to shore unharmed. And then I told them this one last story about what it meant to me at that point in my life as an athlete to actually be good at something athletically, because I was really uncoordinated when I was a teenager because I grew really tall, really fast, but I was good at swimming. And that meant something to me as an individual, but also to be part of a good swimming team that my father, who was actually a teacher at the school I went to, was our swimming coach. And I told them all these stories. And then at the end of it, I didn't really say anything. And I got up and I put my goggles on and I took off my warm-ups and dove in the water and I would start warming up with them because that's what I would do. And as Katerina knows, one by one, those boys got up and they jumped in the water and they started swimming with me. Uh, not every one of them, mind you, that would be just a little too perfect of a story, but they all eventually got in and something really clicked for me that day and something clicked for us that day. Mm -hmm. The thing that I learned from that situation is I could achieve a result from a group of people by sheer command or direction or instruction, or I could achieve the same result by sharing a part of myself by sharing the way I saw a situation and helping them seen in the same way, by sharing thoughts, by sharing feelings, ideas, and in that situation, by sharing stories. 
And so it was a really pivotal moment that I didn't really realize it at the time. But when I started doing storytelling training, looking back on that experience, I realized, I think that's when I really first discovered of it for myself as a communicator, as a leader. Would you say that storytelling is better at persuasion others or telling others what is good than actually showing data or like this analytical thinking when it comes to yeah. I would, I would say it's not a better way. It's just a different way. And so Kulaj, when I train people in storytelling, uh, and, and I've trained a lot of people, I say, listen, I'm just giving you one more communication tool for you to have in your tool chest. It's not right for every single situation. Sometimes you mm -hmm. just got to go to data. You got to go to facts. You got to tell people what you need them to do and tell them how it is, but it can be right in some form for a lot of situations, especially if we understand the fundamentals of it and expand how we think about it. So I would never stand up here and say, it's the best way or a better way. It's just another way that people can communicate. And I want to ask, you probably have heard this question many times, but what makes good storytelling? Now you, well, now you, now yeah. the, now the story you said, it's, I would probably say like, Hey, I went to this camp, taught some boys to swim and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I told them to swim. They said no. And then I, yeah, like, right, and then right. said yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's me as a storyteller. <laughs> the, the, the biggest thing on the way I teach it is when you're using storytelling in workplace communications. The biggest thing that a good story, a strong story has is a message, a point, an idea that it's bringing to life. And sometimes you just communicate that idea straightforward way, just tell it to people. And sometimes you use a story to show people that idea and show it in action. So when I teach storytelling, I'm always very clear. And this is part of the name of my company. My company is called BB and Co Strategic Storytelling. It's storytelling with intent with goals in mind, with objectives and an impact that you're trying to have on an audience. So you need to think strategically about it. And the number one thing you need to think about, there's other things, but the number one thing is, what is the point of my story? What is the message I'm trying to get across with that story? And what do I want my audience to think, feel, and perhaps even do differently because of that message? That sounds like a lot of pre-work. So I I assume you cannot be a great storyteller if you don't have any preparation, or is that Correct. not true? Correct. I think, so one of the biggest misperceptions I think that people have, when especially when they think about using storytelling in a workplace situation, is they think storytelling is a talent. You're either born with it or you're not. And in fact, it's a skill. Uh, and some people, don't get me wrong, are more talented at that skill, but it is a skill. And like any skill, it can be sharpened through instruction and mastered through practice. I always say to everyone, we are all storytellers. I can teach anyone how to tell a good story. Now, some people might have more natural proclivity and talent mm -hmm. for it than others, but I can teach anyone how to tell a good story. What I see happen all the time, Baruj, is that a lot of people when they think about using storytelling in workplace communications, they think, no, 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 no. I am not a good storyteller. <laughs> there is no way I'm going to do that. She's an amazing storyteller. I could never be like that. And so they psych themselves out of using this very powerful tool. 
but everyone can be a storyteller if they understand understand how to approach it strategically and how to uh, apply the fundamentals of it. But to your point earlier, it does take some work. It's not a lot of work, but it does take a little bit of work. You have to put some work into that story to make sure that story is going to work for you. Because another mistake that people make is in a workplace situation, they think of a story and they immediately start telling that story. And that rarely goes well. That's when Mm -hmm. a story kind of wanders over here, wanders over there, and eventually stops. And if that happens at the pub or the bar or the dinner table, fine. But if that happens in a meeting, you run the risk of wasting people's time. So it does take a little bit of effort, pre-thought, and work to make sure that story works. But it's not a lot. It's really not a lot of effort that you have to put into it. I think there is also a second misconception about storytelling, and that's like we are talking about the stories which you can tell, but storytelling is not just about talking to somebody else, but it's also about writing it. So like you don't have to be a presenter, right, to use the storytelling, but you can apply it in, in different aspects. Absolutely. When when I train people in storytelling, I'm always very clear that, hey, the fundamentals is I'm going to teach it to you. This strategy-first approach to storytelling, the way I teach it, applies to storytelling in all shapes and forms in workplace communications or business settings. Uh, we talk mostly about verbal storytelling, but to your point, the same rules apply to storytelling and writing. The one difference I will say is when you're writing a story out versus telling a story, because it's something that's going to be read versus heard, something that you're writing versus speaking to or delivering verbally, you can tend to be a little bit more artistic, a little bit more poetic. Like when I say things, so for instance, the stories that I tell in a blog post when I'm writing it out, I will take a little bit more poetic poetic license. I'll be a little bit more flowery with my language, and it feels right when you're reading it. If I were to say the same words that I put on paper, people would be like, who are you? Like, what what are you, William Shakespeare? Like, what what are you trying to do here? So when you're verbally telling a story, the language has to be a little bit more human, a little bit more pedestrian versus when you're writing the story out. But the same approach applies to both. What was the way this application of storytelling? Like I can imagine that, for example, when you have the year-end results, financial results, and applying storytelling to that must be feeling weird. Is there something similar what happened uh, to you? You could, but here's a good example of where storytelling might not be appropriate. So for instance, if I'm the CEO of a company or a senior leader of a company, and I'm presenting some disappointing year-end results. If I try to tell a story around those results, um, it can come across as, in English, we say spin, which means I'm trying not to really tell you the truth. I'm trying to manipulate the way I want you to think about what I'm sharing with you. So sometimes, and you brought this up earlier, sometimes the facts are the facts, and I just need to deliver the facts and the information, and then we can have some discussion around it. So that might be one example where storytelling could backfire on you. However, let's say you're presenting some difficult news to your entire company, to your workforce, and you know you're disappointed by the results, they're going to be disappointed by the results. I would deliver the results and say, here are the results, and you know we didn't meet our targets, and it's really sad that we didn't meet our targets. But I might tell a story about how sometimes we have to take the good news with the bad news. And when we take the bad news, instead of rejecting it, we can actually get stronger as a result of it. 
So it's an example of not using a story to present the numbers and the results. It's using a story to help shape the way you want your audience to think and feel about the numbers that you're presenting. From your experience, uh, where where you think people should use more of storytelling, especially in corporations? Well, I think one big area is in presentations. A lot of times, first of all, presentations are very uh, intense situations for most people. Most people get nervous about presenting. I get nervous about presenting. It's the number one fear amongst adults. And so a lot of times when people are presenting, especially to senior clients or senior managers or directors, because they're nervous about that situation, they just jump into the facts. Here's slide number one, slide number two, slide number three, facts, 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 and facts. Uh, instead of using a story to set up an idea that is going to be woven throughout that presentation from start to finish. Um, it has to be a good story. It has to be the right story. It has to be strategic. But a lot of times people gravitate to just presenting facts, numbers, and concrete information in presentations versus a using a story to, instead of just present those numbers, to position those numbers. And again, help shape the way you want your audience to think and feel about it. So that's probably the biggest opportunity where I think people could use stories that don't use stories. The place where it most naturally comes up even without coaching or training is in mentoring or coaching situations where someone on your team is struggling with something and you're listening to that person and you're thinking, you know what? I know exactly what she's going through. I went through the same thing five years ago and telling a story about that experience, what you learn from that experience and using that story to share that wisdom with that person and help them through a difficult time. That's a very powerful place to be using it. And that's, I think, a place where people more naturally use it. Whereas in presentations, I think people need a little bit more coaching, a little bit more pushing to use storytelling strategically and effectively in those situations. You've mentioned like, especially when presenting and instead of going slide one, slide two, slide three, that you need to have like a good story and a strong story. How? Like... You know, like, okay, I need the good, like, I, I can totally imagine our listeners will say, okay, that's very easy to say, but what is my, like, how do I come up with that story? Or how do I even define this is a good story? Mm -hmm. Based well, on here's what? A good, here's a good example. Um, one of the more common presentations that people have to give in a workplace situation is when they might be proposing something to senior managers. They're presenting a business case or a new initiative, and they're trying to get buy-in on that initiative and maybe even approval to pursue it and the funding necessary to go forward with it. And so here's another example of a classic mistake where people say, I'm gonna propose this to you. This is what it is, this is how it works, this is what we're doing, this is what I need from you. And it's just fact, 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 and fact, versus before they jump into all the details of that initiative, and they will have to jump into the details of what that initiative entails, saying, I'm here to propose a new business case to you. Me and my team are very, very excited about this. Before I dive into the details, though, of what this initiative is and how we're going to pursue it, let me tell you a quick story about where this idea came from. And they tell a story about the customer problem or opportunity that this initiative is going to address or the employee engagement issue that this initiative is going to cure or solve. And what that does, that 
two minute, three minute story is it helps shape the way they think about the details once the presenter dives into the details. This is a very simple way of thinking about it, but in a presentation setting, thinking about using a story to set up the why before you dive into the what and the how. Any presentation has to get into the what and the how, but if your audience, especially a senior audience, doesn't understand the why behind those details first, they're not gonna necessarily embrace the details the way you want them to. I've heard that there is a great model which you can use. Hopefully it's great. <laughs> let's do that. Let's stick with that. Let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's called the hero's journey. Have you heard of that? Sure. Do you use oh, of that? course. Yeah. The hero's journey, and it was the, the a term coined by a great writer and thinker, Joseph Campbell. But um, the hero's journey is probably the most classic plot structure that people use. And it's basically the idea of an individual or a group of individuals either desiring for something new, like uh, Odysseus, you know, and, and Homer's The Odyssey, a desiring for something new and embarking on a journey to find it. But it could also be someone heading off on a journey because they've been forced to, because of some situation they can't control, or a change of situations that everyone's going through. But anyway, people in that story, either the individual or the group, embark on a journey. They head down on a path. But of course, like any good story, not everything goes well. And along that path, along that journey, they experience challenges and obstacles and problems and pitfalls. And what happens is in the story, some tension starts to build. Then usually, not always, but usually there's a turning point to that tension. There's a resolution to that tension. Life continues on. It's probably better than it was before because of that journey, but there's something that that person learned from that experience. And that's the wisdom that they're sharing with their audience as a result. And if you look back on, you know, uh, from the Wizard of Oz to Star Wars, to all sorts of movies and, and books that we love reading, Hero's Journey is probably the most common, the most um, familiar plot structure that we have come across again and again. And I will go a little bit back uh, when you said that your father was in teaching business. So there are two two aspects. Or did I mis misunderstand? Well, no, he he wasn't. He didn't teach business. He taught at the high school, the prep school that I went to as a kid. So he taught. My father uh -huh. taught psychology and history and religion. You know, earlier I said that I I came by storytelling honestly because my father was a really really good storyteller and he mm -hmm. was a teacher. Uh, in a high school that I went to, but he was also a minister. He was an Anglican or in the United States where I grew up, we call it Episcopalian. He was an Anglican minister. And so he used stories very often in the classroom and in church to connect people to ideas that he was sharing with them. And uh, as a result, connect them to each other. But uh, I think he came by it honestly, because both his parents uh, were amazing storyteller, especially his mother. My grandmother was the most incredible storyteller. Every time she said, I've got a story for you, we stopped whatever we were doing, and it was usually fighting, but we stopped whatever <laughs> we were doing and we would listen because we knew her stories were always gonna be enter entertaining. But looking back on what I do now for a living and looking at my grandmother's skill and talent with storytelling, the thing that I realized about her stories were as engaging and entertaining as they were, her stories, always made a point 
that very often made a change in the way we and my siblings thought about a situation, the way we felt about that situation, and very often the way we behaved as a result. So she had stories about why we needed to have good table manners and why we needed to listen to our parents and why we needed to take school work seriously. And it wasn't until the last year of her life, my grandmother lived to, I think about 100, 104 or 103, wow. but she oh. lived a long time and she was pretty <laughs> lucid up until the end. But it wasn't until the last year of her life that she admitted to me and my siblings and my cousins that some of her stories were made up. <laughs> they like literally rocked our foundations. But, you know, I don't care because her stories, they had such an impact. They had, I, I often tell a story about how, about how her storytelling changed the way we had table manners. And mm -hmm. I, have, I don't have many good qualities, but I have good table manners. And I can honestly thank my grandmother and her storytelling for that. What would be your guidance if we take our listeners who maybe just finished their university, maybe they're just very few years at, at their work, uh, how to grasp this or where to even start? What would be your suggestion for them? So there's a couple, couple pieces of advice I would give. One is that and I say this to my nieces and nephews all the time who are graduating from university and getting into the working world. Um, I may be biased, but I think being a strong communicator is one of the most powerful skills that any professional can have. And what people, again, don't understand is that uh, it is a skill. It's not a talent. It's a skill. Again, some people are better at it than others, but anyone can get good and effective at it if they're willing to put some work into it. So being a good communicator verbally in presentations, in writing, I think is one of the most important skills for any professional. But again, you have to be able to put some work into it. With storytelling specifically is understanding that if you are willing to put some work into it, we can all be good, effective, better, stronger storytellers. But you have to figure out how those stories work and how to put them to work in your workplace communication. So you need to study it. Uh, I've got lots of blog posts on my blog that actually break it down into some key fundamentals on how to think strategically about the stories that you're using. So you are telling the right story about how to construct a good story with the plot structure that uh, Kulaj was talking about earlier, like the hero's journey plot structure. And then, of course, I give some ideas to people on how to be a better storyteller. So that if you are going to tell a story for two or three minutes, be a storyteller. Don't mm -hmm. present the story. Don't report the story. Be a storyteller and then get back to the presentation. One mistake, and I alluded to this earlier. Again, I think a lot of people think you have to be this amazing life of the party, naturally talented theatrical storyteller to be a good storyteller at work. And that's not the case. If you're willing to think strategically about it, and make sure it is the right story with the right message to the right people at the right time. And you're putting some work into the content of that story. That is 80 to 90% of the heavy lifting. Yes, you can be a better storyteller, but if it's the right story and it's a good story, that is most of the work. Whether I'm 20 or 25 or 30 years old, this doubt or concern, well, what stories do I have to share with people? Everyone has stories to share with other people because everyone has experiences that help shape who they are as a person and or as a professional. So if you start thinking about this using storytelling in your workplace communications or your professional communications, one of the things I want to encourage your listeners to do 
is don't necessarily think about the story. Think about the experiences that you have had that have had a meaningful impact on you. Experiences that really taught you something, experiences that help shape who you are as a person, as a professional. And if you learn something from that experience, that might be a good story for you to develop about that experience to share that wisdom with other people. We all have stories to tell. Everyone has stories to tell. You just need to be more conscious of the stories that you have available to you and need to be more strategic about sharing those stories with other people. Before Varush asked the question, bbcostorytelling.com. We will also mention it like under our comments, etc. But that, those just listen, just so you guys know uh, you. what we are talking about. Yeah. And then on there, backslash blog, if you want to go to the blog, but it's front and center on the website. Many people think that uh, if you want to teach storytelling, you must be expert in storytelling, which is true, I think. But at the same time, you must be a great teacher. So I was wondering how your father influenced you in this regard. Well, you know, one of the great, I would say one of the probably the great tragedies um, or disappointments in my life is my, my father died too young. He was only 64 when he passed away. And unfortunately, He passed away uh, well before I started doing this as a living. And I think he would really enjoy it because he loved teaching. He absolutely loved teaching and he loved seeing that light bulb go off with his students when they started to not only grasp an idea, but actually be moved and excited by that idea. And for me, it's the same thing when I'm teaching storytelling, all, but also when I'm telling a good story that I've worked on and seeing the impact that it had on my audience. I think with my dad, what, what he loved about teaching was not standing up there and showing everyone everything that he knew. And he knew a lot. He was a very, very smart man. He was a Rhodes Scholar. He was very, very well educated, um, but it was never about him. It was always about his students. And even if the story was about him that he was telling, he wasn't telling that story to pat himself on the back and wasn't I amazing. He told that story because he struggled with something, he learned something from that struggle, and he thinks that the group that he's talking with could benefit from that. It is always about your audience when you're telling a story. The only time it's about you is if you're sitting down and being interviewed by Oprah Winfrey or something, mm -hmm. then it really is all about you. <laughs> But if that happens, let me know. It hasn't happened to me yet. But when you're telling the story, it's always about your audience and the impact that you want uh, that your story to have on them and the positive difference your story can make. And that's something I really learned from my father in his teaching skills and his communication skills. And that's something that I really hold dear and have tried to apply in my own teaching and my own storytelling. Do you, when you said everything depends on the audience, And I know that you do also lots of uh, education for leaders. How different you look at it from this perspective, if you have a leaders or senior leaders, how different the stories are. So here's an example. Sometimes when I'm, I will tell a story differently if I'm telling it to this audience versus that audience. And just for the sake of simplicity, Let's say one audience I have are senior leaders and the other audience I have are more the frontline workers. You ask yourself, whom do I want my audience relating to in my story? So when I'm telling a story uh, to senior leaders, 
and the story I'm telling is about a leader, I want them seeing themselves in the leader in that story. So I will put more spotlight on the leader character in that story. So they relate to that character and relate to that character's experience, but also what that character learned from that experience. But I might take the same situation, the same experience, the same story in such a way and present it slightly differently when I'm doing it to the frontline workers because I want them not relating to the leader in the story, but the employees in the story. So it's the same, in some ways, it's the same story because it's the same situation, the same experience, but you're putting different spotlights on different characters. You're dialing up this tension versus that tension based on the audience, what you want them to hear, think, feel, and do as a result of that story. Does that make sense, Katarina? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, my so, light bulbs just went like, ding, ding. <laughs> well, Baruj was asking this earlier. Is that She said, it sounds like you have to do some preparation. You have to put some work into that story. And you absolutely do. That work is strategic. And so before you start thinking about the story, you think about the impact you want a story to have. What I'm thinking about when I'm thinking strategically about the stories as I'm using in my situation is I think deductively about what do I want a story to do so I can hopefully find the best story to do it. And in that regard, Baruch, I don't start with the story. I kind of back into the story by reverse engineering what I want a story to do. And so what I think about strategically is, first of all, who is my audience? Communications 101 is always who is my audience? You always start with your audience, but not only who is my audience, what's their situation right now? What's going on with them? What's happening around them? What's happening inside of them? What's happening to them? What insights do I have about them? But then once I think about those two things, I think, okay, literally, what do I want them to do? What action do I want them to take? Start doing, stop doing, do more of, do less of. What do I think they need to think and or feel or stop thinking and stop feeling because it's getting in the way of them taking that action. What's a message I could share with them to help them think and feel that way, to get them to do what I want them to do. And then I think, do I have a story that I could tell to bring that message to life, to shape those thoughts and feelings, to motivate that action. And so this is an example of, I don't start with the story, I back into the story. And when I think about it that way, Sometimes a story immediately pops into my head right away. Sometimes it pops into my head an hour later. And sometimes it never pops into my head. Like, <laughs> you know, to be honest, sometimes I'm like, I can't think of a story. I cannot think of a story. I'm still going to deliver the message. I'm just going to do it in a more straightforward way. But that's how you think about it is you don't start with the story. You think more about what do I want a story to do so I can hopefully find the best story to do it. Yeah. And what if, so... All four of us have already, let's say, life experiences from work perspective, private stuff perspective, because we are already in certain age. If I'm 20, if I literally look at myself back when I was 20 and I thought I ruled the world, I compared now, I know it like, I still have- Now like, you know it, now you know now it. Now we right? know you rule the world. <laughs> yeah, now exactly. I know it, yeah. Right, it's understood. <laughs> and it's like, our listeners might be, but I have no stories to share. Like I, I'm just oh, trying, like, I oh, know they do, do, but I, you know, I'm trying now well, to show that well, everyone has the stories, but 
but your, I'm sorry to interrupt, but your, your stories don't always have to be about you. Your stories don't have ah. to be about you and your own experience. They could be story about other people and their experiences. They could be stories that you read in the news that you know from the world of sport, from history, from cinema, from literature. They don't always have to be about you. And so that's another mistake I think people make is they think about what they want a story to do, the point they want that story to get across. And they're like, I, I can't think of a story. But then if they think, oh, you know what would be really good is that scene from that movie that I watched two years ago. That doesn't always have to be about you, the stories that you share. You can use stories from lots of other places to bring your point to life. And if, it's, if you use something like that, how do you keep the authenticity? Well, all the reliability because you are not talking for it is a little bit of your personal story because let's say you watched it, but how to relate to that story? Because it's not well, I like where you're going with this because this gets into a bit more detail. Uh, and this is actually, I think, the very last blog post I wrote oh. um, a couple <laughs> months ago. But when the story is not about you, you still have to talk about your personal connection to that story. And more specifically, what I tell people in my workshops is you have to bookend yourself around the story. So you start with not the story, but why you're thinking about that story now, how it came into your life. Then you tell the story through your own reflection and memory of it. But then the important thing is you have to come back to you and you have to talk about why this story had resonance with you, why you find it relevant, and why you're sharing it with your audience now. So as, let me give you an example. Let's say you and your team have been working on this initiative for the last seven months, and it's been a lot of work, and you've planned and planned and planned, but no matter how much you plan, something always goes wrong, and something always goes wrong. And your team is very, very disappointed about it. They're very frustrated, and frankly, they're scared about it. So you might call a team meeting and you would say, hey, I know this initiative is not going exactly as we planned. We've hit some snags. We have some problems that we could not have foreseen before. And we're going to talk about how we're going to get through this. But I got to tell you, this situation reminds me of one of my favorite movies, uh, Apollo 13. Have you ever seen Apollo 13? And so that's when that's the one book in. And then you tell the story about Apollo 13 and that lunar mission and all that went wrong with it. You're doing a summary of it. But then you have to come back to you. And the point, what you're doing is you're saying, you know why I'm thinking about this movie now and the true story that was inspired by it? It's because it teaches me that no matter what goes wrong, there is nothing we can't fix as long as we stay calm and work together as a team. And that's what we're going to do right now. So that's what I talk about when you put yourself around the story, talking about why you're thinking about it now, but importantly, what you pull from that story and what you want your audience to pull from that story. This story took like a minute and I am impressed. So. <laughs> no, I wanted to go. When I, when I watched that movie the first time, I still remember it really had a huge impact on me. I remember which movie theater I was in and I literally yeah. wanted to stand up and start clapping. I was like yeah. really that much into it. So, but I would say with this story, that's how we should end it. And people, if you ever heard of a storytelling, or any concerns or question, write us a comment. We are on LinkedIn, YouTube, everywhere. Let us know. With this, I'm going to say, Bill, thank you so much being here with us as far away as Canada is coming. <laughs> coming. So good morning to you. And with that, I'm going to say, Sugo Hasha Smida. Bye-bye.
Majte sa, čaute sa, bye, bye, bye. And I will say goodbye, and because Canada is two languages, au revoir. <laughs> this podcast represents our own opinions, experience, and our own ideas. We do not represent any official statement from our employers, and this is not their official channel representing the company.